for this day, for the opportunity to be able to come to worship you, to give you praise, to thank you. Lord, we just love you so much. And this is our declaration of that today, to worship you, to honor you, and to give you glory in the highest. Lord, for this service, we are grateful, and we pray for your blessing upon it. We pray for your Holy Spirit, Lord, to anoint and to speak and to touch and minister to our hearts. And Lord, we commit these things to you, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. If you would, open up your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to continue with the story uh, about Jesus' birth. A little bit different part of it, though. Um, we find here in chapter 2, in verse 1, it starts out, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, O Bethlehem, but you, Bethlehem of the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And when Herod, then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. And when they had heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Lord, we thank you for your word. Bless it as we look into these things this morning. Open up our hearts and our minds, I pray, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, tomorrow is Christmas Day. On that day, millions of people will celebrate Christmas, even those who do not believe in the birth of Jesus they still take time to enjoy themselves on that day. Been that way for a long time. I certainly was a part of that number. 
at one time in my life as well. Not knowing Christ, not really knowing what Christmas was about, I still celebrated it. As a matter of fact, uh, I was born into a non-Christian family, uh, yet we always celebrated Christmas. Uh, we had a Christmas tree. We had Christmas decorations. We sent and received Christmas cards and gifts, and we even ate Christmas dinner. But my parents never told me the real reason for celebrating Christmas. It was always about the gifts, always about the time with family. All those things can be very important. I wouldn't take away from those. But is that really what Christmas is about? Well, I don't think so, and certainly my, my parents never told me the real reason. I thought Christmas was about the celebration of Santa Claus. That's why I dress the way that I do. <laughs> Just check in to see if you're awake. That's not true. I usually get upset when people tell me I look like Santa Claus. Down in Mexico, I finally convinced the kids, no, it's not Santa Claus. It's Moses. <laughs> I like Moses better. I've convinced them, so now. Moises. That's my name down there, yeah. Anyways, another story. You know, the problem with believing that Christmas is all about Santa Claus is one day you grow up and Santa Claus isn't real anymore. Then what are you left with? Well, you're left with, what can I get for Christmas? And what do I have to give for Christmas? Right? A lot of times it's not what I get to give, it's not what I can give, it's what do I have to I, I owe this to this person because they got me something or they're related to me in such a way that I must take care of them. I'm not looking at my wife right now, okay? Just remember that. But that's the truth. That's what Christmas becomes. But yet that's what it, it never was intended to be that at all. For me, Jesus was just the name of the baby whose picture was on the front of the Christmas card. And that was it. No one told me the Savior of the world had been born and that Christmas was a celebration of his birth, his birthday. Oh, they probably did, but it wasn't even as meaningful to me as, say, George Washington's birthday. And the reason is, is because it was devoid of connection, personal interaction and connection. You see, my wife's birthday is important to me because I know her and because I want to keep living. <laughs> but the truth is, is that it, it makes it easy for that birthday to be important to me because there's personal relationship there. I'm not really that connected to George Washington. You get my drift? I'm connected because he's the father of this country and I grew up knowing about him and, and he's a very important figure in my life as being the father of our country. And so he is important, but there's no real connection. I do not really get excited about celebrating his birthday. Consequently, neither do any of us. That's why we combine them all together on one day now. Right? Lincoln's birthday, Washington's birthday, Whoever else's birthday, it's in there, and that there's that group of three in February 
that we just say, well, we'll just do all what we call it President's Day. Because it's really not important to us. And the point that I'm trying to make is that with Christmas, it is the birthday of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And the only way that that becomes important is if you have a personal connection with him. Before I met the Lord, Christmas was just another holiday. I got a little extra time off. You know, I, I got gifts, I got presents, I got special things at that time of the year that I didn't get at other times. And that's what it all became a part of. But then there came a time where I understood that that day was about the birth of Christ. And it meant something to me. Sadly, many in the world today will experience a Christmas without Christ. Just like I did for a number of years in my life. That I had Christmases and, and boy, some of them are great. Right? I can think back of, and there's a couple of them in my life that were really spectacular to me. And one of them was when I was about, oh, I must have been about 11 or 12 years old. And my dad made it just a very, very special time. And now it's great. And I love that memory. And another time was the first Christmas that I had with my wife before she was my wife. We had met on my birthday, and then shortly thereafter came Christmas, and it was the first opportunity that I had to be able to bless her, to give her gifts. And that was a special time for us, and I can still, I have vivid memories in my mind about that, that morning, that Christmas morning, seeing her, the gifts that I gave her, her trying on those, those boots and that, that pair of hot pants. <laughs> was that nice? I remember that. But there's, there's another Christmas that is meaningful to me and has been meaningful ever since. And as a matter of fact, it's interesting as, as you go along in life, there's things you discover about yourself. I never could figure out why after I became a Christian, something that I enjoyed so much before I became a Christian became something that I didn't like anymore. I hated Christmas. I let everybody know about it. And as a matter of fact, I used, to, uh, I used to let everybody know my angst about it from the pulpit, about how much I disliked it. I never could figure out why it was like that. But it really is very simple. It's because we don't celebrate his birthday. We celebrate a holiday. We celebrate the time off. We celebrate the gifts that are given. But we don't celebrate his birthday. If you came to my birthday party and you didn't acknowledge me, I'd be pretty upset. But then again, I don't like birthday parties, so don't worry about it. But the truth is, is that this is why I became upset, because I, I saw that it really wasn't what it was intended to be. It was to be a celebration of him for what he has done. 
and I became very upset about it. And I didn't, I didn't understand why, but it was because I could see that it wasn't, it wasn't what it was supposed to be. It wasn't his birthday. It was a celebration of the time of year, the holiday. As a matter of fact, do you hear people say that today? Happy holidays. I hope you have good holidays. What does that mean anyways? I'm not real sure. I know what Merry Christmas means. I do. I'm wishing you to have a merry time in Christ. A merry time in Christ. Merry, M-E-R-R-Y. That means to be filled with joy and excitement. It means to be filled with praise for him. A merry Christmas. Christ Mass, a time of the celebration and the worship of Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. Now listen, I'm through with putting down Christmas, so don't take this message as one of those where that's what I'm doing. I'm not. I'm trying to encourage us. I'm trying to encourage us to just simply enjoy this day. Tomorrow's his birthday, a day that we celebrate his birthday. It's probably not his birthday. Let me get on with my message. Like I said, sadly, many in the world today will not experience Christmas, will experience a Christmas without Christ. They may have a happy Christmas by the world's standards, but they will not understand the real reason for the season. They will not even think about the importance of the birth of Jesus or his effect on human history. Do you realize that there is no one, no one who has ever lived that has even come close to begin to touch what Christ has done for all of the history of man? All the benefit of man. So many of the things, there's a a book that D. James Kennedy wrote uh, about what would the world be like without Jesus, what would have happened without Jesus Christ. And he goes through and he enumerates all the things that we enjoy today that that there is no credit given whatsoever to the fact it was because of Christ and the changed hearts and lives of human beings that brought about the healthcare system that we have today. Well, wait a minute, that's not a good one. How about another one? The fact that we have healthcare, that's, that's that one, right? Orphanages, I mean, there's so many things that because of Christians and their hearts being touched and changed and reaching out into the world for the needs of individuals, that Christ touched this world and still is, and still is. He is the one. He is the one that has touched human history. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. 33 33 years later, he was crucified. He took the punishment for our sin. He died, and three days later, he rose from the grave, having conquered the power of sin and death. Friends, today, we are here to celebrate the coming of Jesus as King and Savior. That's what we're here for, to celebrate his coming. His first coming had to be through the natural birth. His second coming is on the back of a horse. When he comes with all the saints, 
to bring judgment upon a Christ-rejecting world. Jesus came to save us from our sin. And Jesus came to bring us peace with God. Jesus came so that we could be forgiven. Today, we celebrate the truth of Emmanuel, God with us. That is the reason for our celebration. That is what makes Christmas personal and relevant to our lives. In John 3, 16 and 17, it reminds us of this. It says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his own son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. That's why he came. Let's personalize this verse. For this is how God loved me. He gave his one and only son so that believing in him, I will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge me, but to save me through him. The message of Christmas is love. The love of God for you and for me. The birth of Jesus shows just how much God loves you and me. It's a reminder at Christmas, we are meant to celebrate the fact that God loves us. Each Christmas, it is a reminder of that incredible love that God has for all of humankind. That he was willing to send his son to be born. Boy, I've got to tell you, you see the world that we're living in today. I know, I know parents who go, I don't know if I want to have any children. I don't know if I want to bring them into this world that we're living in. From God's perspective, believe me, the world has always been like that. And he sent his son because he loved us so much. And each Christmas, it is that reminder. And let me go back to what I had said earlier about how I used to feel so I didn't like Christmas. And it's because I didn't like the fact that, that the world no longer celebrated the birth of Christ. But believe me, I've learned. I found out that what I was doing and my disdain for Christmas was cutting off opportunities for me to be able to share the love of God with you at a time when God has designed that it would be the most opportune time to tell the world that God loves them. God loves the world, all the world. And he's made that way so that we can have eternal life. And he wants us to declare it, to shout it from the rooftops. He wants us to let others know that they can have the hope of eternal life. At Christmas, we're, we are meant to celebrate the fact that Jesus loves us. Christmas reminds us God has not forgotten us. Father God has sent Jesus, his son, to save us. This is the greatest love the world has ever or ever will know. This Christmas, God wants you to know he loves you. And he wants you to celebrate his love for you. How? Well, first of all, it would be by, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, 
becoming acquainted with him, to personalize this day as a day to celebrate his birth. That's so important. But if you do know Christ, it's by loving others as he loves you. You know, many have said that the spirit of Christmas is love. And I would agree with that. There is that element to it. The spirit of Christmas is the redemption of man. It's the birth of Christ for its purpose of redemption. And with it, there is that element of love, of great love. And why do we say that? Well, because God demonstrated his love toward us, toward us in that he sent his own son to die in our stead. So yes, this is a season of love. Agape, not emotionalism, not warm fuzzies, even though they can be a part of that. I wouldn't take away from that. As a matter of fact, I think we should enjoy that at this time of year. But don't lose sight of what God really has in store for us. He also wants us to show others love by sharing the real reason for the season with others. And by sharing the good news that Jesus is real and not just a Christmas story. At Christmas, we celebrate that Christ has come and the Messiah has been born. Stepping out of eternity and into the form of a human baby, God has come. Man, I just, I just love what these kids did this morning. I thought maybe we should just say it's over and call it to a close. At the end of that, they did such a good job. But then I would miss out on my opportunity. That was supposed to be funny, but I guess it wasn't. <laughs> but it's kind of hard. You know, you, you never want to follow kids. <laughs> they always make you look bad, right? True it is. Church, church tradition says we remember the birth of Christ on the 25th of December. The reality is Jesus was probably born in March or April. Neither shepherds or their sheep would have been out in the fields in the deep midwinter. The actual specific day and date of the birth of Jesus are not important. What is important is that we believe his birth really happened. I'll tell you, I've, I've met a lot of people that deny their need for Christ, but few I have met that deny that Christ ever existed. That there's so much evidence of the existence of Christ that he became a man. Now, you might doubt the Immaculate Conception. You might uh, you know, doubt his resurrection. You might doubt a lot of things, but if you're really foolish enough to to doubt his existence, boy, that takes a lot. Because there is so much secular evidence that Christ existed that you're foolish to eliminate him altogether as having, having ever existed. Christ did. And more than that, not only did he exist, but he also did everything that he said he did and everything that was said that he would do. So, you know, it's foolish, really, to deny him even 
at all. We know that it was in the evening, and we know that it was when it comes to his, I'm sorry, the actual day of his birth, we don't know, but we know it must have been in the, in the spring or the uh, summer uh, or during the autumn, uh, Christ was born. We know it was the evening, and we know it was in Bethlehem, and we know it happened in a stable where animals were kept. That is where the Son of God was born. The reality of Christmas happened not in a palace or a hospital or where anyone writing a story would have used for a suitable venue. The reality of Christmas took place in a dirty, smelly stable. You know, there is an important message in this. No place is too common for Jesus. No circumstance beneath him but we must come to him just like the three kings and the shepherds. little unusual for me. I usually take a section of scripture and begin to exegete it. And I read a pretty sizable passage this morning in Matthew's gospel, speaking about the three kings who had been led from the east following a star, hearing of the birth of the Messiah, the king. That had been mentioned. Boy, there's so much to preach about there. These men, their whereabouts, their beginnings. But let's just stay with a couple of things this morning. And that is this. One, they were convinced of the truth of God. They had been told and they saw it. And they were willing to follow it wherever it may lead them. They did not know exactly where they were going. But they knew that they need to follow. And so they followed that star until it brought them to where the Messiah was. And while there, God revealed himself to them. It's about two years after the birth of Christ. We know that it probably had to be at least that since the time that Christ had been born when they showed up. But when the shepherds found out that Jesus was born, it was on the, on the day that he was born. And I love that, to be honest with you. And that's what the kids were telling us about, about the shepherds. I love that the first ones that were notified of the birth of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the birth of God incarnate in the flesh, were to some of the most lowest people of society at that time. Shepherds were not, you know, we, we show them as all these wonderful little people, but in their day, they had bad reputations and nobody liked them. But that's who, that's whom God revealed the birth of his son to first. And I think that that speaks volumes to the fact that God is still today reaching to the lowest and the, and the worst of the folks of the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, to elevate them above where they are. I certainly was that in my life. I was one of those that God reached with that glorious message that the king had been born, and he touched my heart. But God doesn't just limit it to that. He limits it to none, but open to all. And we see that he extends it from the lowest to some of the greatest when it speaks 
of the kings that came to worship him. God is still doing that today. He's offering it to any who would come. He will cast out none. He opens up his invitation to all who would simply open their heart. You see, the kings had to have an open heart to come in order to be obedient to God, to find out what was going on, to receive what was there. So did the shepherds. It was no different. They needed that as well. Things haven't changed much here. When Christ was born, so was our hope. Because Christ came, God is always near. He is always for us and always in us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. I can count on God 24-7. When all of you fail me, when all of you leave me, when all of you turn your back on me, I can count on this. God never will. Now, I don't expect that you will either. But I know that you have the potential to do so, just like I have the potential to turn my back on you. But God cannot and will not ever turn his back upon us. No matter how the chips get down, we can count on the fact that he will be there. He is our hope. The certain hope of Christmas is that God has sent his only son, Jesus, to bear our burdens and to save us from our sins. Christmas means that we have a savior. 1 John 4.10 <clears throat> reminds us, <clears throat> this is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. <clears throat> Over 2,000 years ago, there were some wise men who followed the signs to the location where Christ was born so that they could worship him. Christmas is a sign to all that the Christ was born. The question for us today is, will you follow the sign? You can't celebrate someone's birthday unless you know him. The question is, would you like to? You have to understand this. If you're looking for the real meaning of Christmas, if you really want to know what it's all about, the only possible way to know that is to know him. You can't celebrate his birthday without knowing who he is. And if you think that Christmas is all about something else, then you've been misled like so many others in the world today. And perhaps even as a Christian, you've been misled. And you're thinking to yourself that Christmas is all about family and presents and joy and peace, goodwill toward men. That's part of it. But the main thing about Christmas, it is a celebration of the birth of the one who came to be born, that he might die, that we might live each and every day. So, if that's something that you would like to do, if you don't know him, as I would love to give you an opportunity to make that decision, to know him, have a, have a different kind of Christmas this year. Accept Christ and celebrate his birth because you know who he is and it's worthy of serving. 
Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We thank you for the the day that we have, Lord, the time that we're able to come and to celebrate and to worship. And perhaps there are some here this morning that don't know you. And they've never been able to really celebrate Christmas because they don't know you to celebrate your birth. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would work and move this morning. And perhaps there's some here that would make that decision for you today. That they would start out this Christmas completely different than all others. And that, Lord, that you would draw them to eternal life. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for the time that we have. We thank you for the work of your spirit and for all that you do. And I'm wondering this morning if there's any here that don't know Christ, but you want to. If you realize that you need to have that personal relationship with Christ and the forgiveness of your sins, and through that eternal life, and you've not done that, and you would like to do that this morning, then raise your hand and let me know that I can pray with you to receive Christ. Anyone at all today? Anyone at all? Well, I'll tell you, some 46 years ago, actually more than that, 50 Two years ago, there was a pastor who let me off the hook when he was given an altar call like this, and he said, hey, you don't have to do it right now. You can do it at any time that you want to. That Christ will hear you, and that is so true. But that decision in front of others would have made such a huge difference in my life that I would have followed through, I believe with that decision for Christ, rather than saying yes and then walking away. And so I'm going to give that opportunity one more time this morning. If you don't know Christ and you would like to, you can do it later. You don't have to do it in front of the church. You don't have to do it even with someone. I didn't. But I can tell you this. that if you will, that you will have strength and comfort in doing so. And not only that, the prayers of everyone in here. And the love of all those who are around you. So I'll extend that one more time. Would anyone like to receive Christ this morning? To give yourself over to him, to follow him. Anyone at all? All right. So be it. Father, we thank you for giving us this opportunity. Praise you, Lord. I pray that you would indeed bless us. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Would you all stand, please? Pastor Paul is going to lead us in a favorite old song of ours on Christmas morning. And uh, so I would say, let us celebrate together and thank God that the Savior, our Savior, has come. Amen. Amen.